And we would call that God's goodness, right? That he's gonna call you to a place, a safe place. And so what I think is incredible is God's plan for you still was his goodness. And if you define it and say, well, okay, here's this, this mother that lives in the same town and you're gonna run into her and this is gonna be super weird. We're not voluntarily signing up for that. We won't. But when, I, when we're now on this side of it, we can sit and say today, what a thing we would have forfeited. Yes. If we would have defined God's goodness the way we view it and signed up for that track. Easier track. The easier track. Welcome back to the Prepare Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Hanton, and we are just finishing up our series on grief, exploring all different types of grieving. And this is our last episode in this series. Today, I welcome Lieutenant Rachel Johnson and her friend, Jennifer Riley. Rachel and Jen have a very unique friendship, which I will let them explain, but their journey of grief also is very unique, and I'm excited for you to hear their story. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel and Jen. Welcome to the podcast, Jen and Rachel. I'm so excited that you're here. We are actually recording in my house today at my dining room table. So it might sound a little different because we're not in that recording sound booth setting, but uh, I'm so glad that you guys made the trek all the way over from Indiana. Is it over? It's over. Yeah. Over up-ish. Over yeah. up-ish. Thank you for having us. Yes. Yeah. Um, Now, you guys have a very unique story and journey. You know, we're in this series right now on discovering what it's like to grieve. And there's so many different aspects of grief. It's not only losing someone that you love to to death. It's it's there's loss and there's grieving situations. There's grieving expectations. There's grieving hope that you had. And sometimes our hope is is dashed. Uh, there's so many different aspects of grief. But you guys have a very interesting story and we're just, we're going to take this journey with you and I, we're going to, I'm going to guide you through some things, but for the most part, we're just going to let you tell your story. So, but hang on before we get there, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Who wants to start? We'll start with, start with Rachel. <laughs> Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Rachel Johnson. Uh, most people would probably know me as Rachel Aaron. I... I'm a mom of two little girls, little future leaders is what I call them, and I'm a Salvation Army officer, happily commissioned as a Salvation Army officer and proud to be a minister of the gospel, and I have a, a cat named Clyborne, named after the red line train stop where Aaron and I got off on our first date, Aww. and then as of... May 2022, I also have a turtle that my husband found formerly in our home known as Olaf Baby Turtle. Oh. So my most of my life revolves around being a mom these days and getting people to places and doing things and making sure the right things are packed and everyone has what they need. And it's equally the hardest season and the most beautiful season I've ever experienced. Mm. That's beautiful. Yep. Love that. And Jen, tell us a little bit about you. All right. I am Jennifer Riley. I go by Jen. I have four wonderful children. One is an adult female married and has two little ones, so I'm a grandma as well. 
Um, we have a recently graduated son who's going to be attending Purdue University in a week. Wow. Yeah. Boiler up. Boiler up. Yeah. And then we have a sophomore daughter, volleyball player, and then an incoming freshman uh, who will be a basketball slash baseball player. So we're, we're a sport family. We've been married. My husband and I, Trent, have been married for 21 years. We just celebrated last week. So What's the secret? I know, really. It's a lasting marriage. The secret, um, one, someone just asked us that last week. and it was I, me. It was you. <laughs> it was Rachel. And my response was um, being friends first, just yeah. always remembering that you're friends. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I've homeschooled for eight years. Currently, the kids are all in school, so I stay at home. I'm a team mom, so I get meals ready for the whole team and do all kinds of things. So wow. that's where I'm at right now. Yeah busy. Yes. And we do also have a dog, Evie. Oh, well, thank you for sharing all of that. And we're just, let's just dive right in to your story. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you two met. Let's start there. The first time we ever physically met was at an honor flight in Lafayette. We had just moved to Lafayette. Me and my husband had just moved to Lafayette and Abigail had texted us and said, hey, if you guys aren't doing anything tonight, there's an honor flight coming into Lafayette. And so my husband and I decided to go. We were new to the city looking for something fun to do. And um, the whole time I knew that Jennifer was somewhere in this crowd of people. (laughs) And I was kind of afraid to like look around. And then um, truth be told, with all due respect to everyone involved in the honor flight, I think it got a little boring. (laughs) <laughs> and so we decided to leave. Yeah. Or it was like late or something. Yeah. Sometimes the flight comes in a little yes. late. So you're just standing around, yeah. which is not and really so, the best um, no, environment to right. meet. And I think that I had spilled something in my uniform shirt. So I had to wear my sweater and it was just too hot. So we're like, let's leave. And we were leaving. And then just as we were about to leave the gate to walk out, I heard someone say, Mrs. Johnson. And it was Jennifer, and that was the first time we ever physically were in the same place at the same time. Wow. And let's go back even further. Tell us how you know each other. You're friends now, right? For sure. Clo- yes. Close we're, friends. We're close good friends. friends. Exceptionally close yeah. friends. Sisters. Yeah. I always, I always dodge this question yes. because I'm just like, uh... <laughs> But it's important. And I usually look to Rachel like, Rachel, take over, (laughs) take over. And then she usually says something incredibly awkward or weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the audience that we're in. So um, I had Jennifer. Jennifer's a candy maker, by the way. She didn't say that about herself, but she makes candy. So if you're looking for some delicious turtles, talk to me. I'll get you the link. She, I invited her to my, my sunbeam troop to make candy. And when I introduced her, I said, this is Lieutenant Aaron's ex-wife. Which we had never been we, married. They were so never that, married. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to say, like, baby daddy. Like, that doesn't really make sense. And I don't <laughs> right. find so that Right. So I just, whatever she says, I go with. But, <laughs> right. You know, it's and like, so I uh, said this in front of a room full of sunbeams and in front of a room full of volunteers. And I specifically said that because, um, although I should have corrected myself, they were never married. But... We have a lot of people who attend our youth programs that come from broken homes who don't see that brokenness often corrected or they don't see that brokenness ever reconciled. And so everyone kind of looked at me like, wait, what? What? Like, I saw you two just hug each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the truth is that my husband, who I am currently married to, and Jennifer share a child. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Your first. My first. Right? Yep. Our, my first born. I was a 17 year old mama. And um, Aaron is Abigail's father. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get there. So then why, why do you tend to avoid the question of how um, we know each other? So for myself, when, when people are asking, they're asking for how we are related to one another. And so obviously like we're friends and so there's friendship, but then you see the connection of, oh wait, so Aaron and Abby and, um, and so I think often when people are looking at that, you're defined by those roles. Okay. Yeah. And so I don't view Aaron as anything connected to myself, but when you define it in that way, you're connecting him to me, if that makes sense. Mm And so to me, I, Aaron and Rachel are husband and wife Mm -hmm. and they have a beautiful family and we get to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. But so I guess it's hard for me to, I guess, to look at history Mm -hmm. to define Mm -hmm. myself by that or him by that or because we're new now. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and it were, it's a completely different person. I'm a different person. He's a different person than who we were at 17 and 23 almost for him. And so I think that's what it makes it somewhat awkward, I think for me. So, yeah. And that makes sense. You now are forced into this new friendship relationship and you've made the best of it through a very awkward situation. Well, you have to, you have to make it work, right? Right. So Aaron and I were commissioned as Salvation Army officers together in 2018. And before um, anyone who has been to the training college or knows how this works, knows that about a month and a half before ordination and commissioning, there's a series of moves that are published. And after that, a lot of the cadets who are about to be officers try to figure out where open appointments are, right? Um, I was about to get married, and so I had I had a lot going on in my mind, but I, but I knew that Lafayette was an open appointment. I didn't like to play, a lot of my session mates like to play the game of like trying to decide who was going to go where. And I, I had too much kind of emotionally going on to even want to do that. Um, but in the back of my mind, I knew that Lafayette was open and there's, a, there's a few reasons why, um, I didn't want to go some other States to be very open and transparent. My husband has an ex-wife that lives in South Dakota. Oh, right. So I was like, well, I can't go to South Dakota, right. the whole state. Just let's avoid South Dakota. <laughs> no offense to anyone living in South Dakota. I hear it's a very beautiful state. But on commissioning Sunday, like there were a few moments where it hit me like, Lafayette, this actually could be happening. Mm. This could be a reality for me. And, you know, commissioning Sunday comes and there's a lot of pop circumstance and it's very emotionally charged and it's a beautiful moment for everybody. But at the second service is what they, we call the service of appointments when new lieutenants find out their first appointment. Um, there's a portion in the program that's called, I think, like appointments to the field, right? And so all these new lieutenants are standing in this line waiting to hear their name called to walk across the stage to find out where you're going to be serving right. your first appointment. And the minute before they called my name, I thought to myself, again, like, this could be happening. And my husband and I were for almost first on the list, so... Um, Lafayette had not yet been said. So I'm like, the chances of it not being said before me are more chances, right? right? And so we came across the stage and the commissioners looked at us um, and said a lot of very sweet things. And we were very affirmed in that. 
And then they said, you're going to be appointed to the Indiana Division to the Lafayette Salvation Army Corps. And the whole the whole stadium erupted, right? Because my, my family was super close that are happy that we were going to be close. My grandparents were relieved that they weren't going to have to come to baby dedications, you know, on the other side of the country. But the only thing I could think about was, how could this be happening? Yeah. I didn't want to go to the whole state of South Dakota, right. but I'm going to go to Lafayette where my this woman who has shared significant life with my husband is going to be two miles up the road. Yeah, how did mm-hmm. you feel? I was very mad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very scared. And in that moment, you know, becoming a Salvation Army officer, you go from no responsibility to now I oversee all of this. Yeah. And I'm navigating being a wife. I'm navigating being a stepmom. I'm navigating some broken relationships in my personal life and in my husband's life when merging our lives together. And now I have to figure out how to share space right. with my husband's daughter's mother. And yeah, because- that was a moment of grief because I wanted my own space, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm now asserting myself as a wife. I'm asserting myself as a Salvation Army officer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be doing this part like like this to me is grief that I have to figure this huge thing out and I moved to my city and I was super excited you know I had been living in a shoebox in Chicago for like a very extended period of time so I'm like I'm excited to have a house and I'm excited to have a city I don't really want to go to Kroger and be worried about you know running into this woman while I'm trying to pick out avocados Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that's just not something I want there's too much in my life for this But the moment I knew that I was coming to Lafayette and that we were going to be sharing space in life with Abby, which is their daughter, and Jennifer, I just knew that God had a plan. When I look back, I can can say confidently, like, God had something for me, too. Yeah. Like, when you become a Salvation Army officer, you think of yourself in a very naive way as, like, I'm always going to be serving. I'm always going to be giving. Mm -hmm. But I, I took myself out of the equation. What does God want to do? for me. God has something in this for me and he has growth for me and he has challenges for me. And so I feel very blessed by all of it, you know, that it wasn't just about giving. It was really God looking at me and saying, I have something for you in this whole thing. And it doesn't look anything like you've ever expected. And it's going to make you really uncomfortable and it's going to make you really learn how to trust me more. And it's going to you know, help you dive into levels of transparency and vulnerability that you thought that you knew, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I have no idea what the question was, <laughs> but did I answer it? Yeah, you totally yeah. answered there it. There we go. I'm mm-hmm. going to step okay, away from so the mic. A lot of, I, I'm a Salvation Army officer's child mm-hmm. and my parents never refused an appointment. Mm-hmm. And my mom always said to me, the Lord knows where he's, the Salvation Army, it's the whole, it's the scripture you know, I make the plans, but the but the Lord orders my steps, right? The Salvation Army might make the plan of where they send you. Mm-hmm. And yes, you sign on the dotted line and say, I'm going to go. But God really orders those steps. And it's just a reminder too that God is always weaving everything together yeah. according to his purposes, mm-hmm. right? He's He was weaving my personal life together with a calling that I had received. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was weaving it together in Lafayette, and he was weaving it together through my husband's relationship with his daughter, yeah. my relationship mm-hmm. with Jennifer. It was just like a living proof that the Lord is always weaving life together yeah. for his purposes. Yeah. And I think it's really incredible to think, too, that in, in his goodness, 
you know, when I hear you talk about that and I think of myself in your place mm -hmm. of just, you know, being a new wife and having these huge responsibilities in that moment, if like Salvation Army knew or whatever, right? In our humanity, we're going to say, oh, well, absolutely not. This would not be the best place, right? You're going to say, we don't want their moment of celebration to be tinged with yeah. grief. Right. We're not going to automatically sign up for that. Who's right. signing up for that? We want her to stand on that stage with Aaron and the confetti to fly and mm. feel that moment of high for longer than one second, right? right? You want to just bask in that. Mm -hmm. And we would call that God's goodness, mm -hmm. right? That he's going to call you to a place, a safe place. And you're going to have this foundation to build your marriage, your ministry. And this is how we view goodness. And so what I think is incredible is God's plan for you still was his goodness. And if you define it and say, well, okay, here's this, this mother that lives in the same town and you're going to run into her and this is going to be super weird. We're not voluntarily signing up for, for that. We won't. Right. But when I, when we're now on this side of it and we've been friends, I mean, how many years have you been in Lafayette? Four, just started year five. Okay, so almost five years. Yeah. We can sit and say today, what a, what a thing we would have forfeited. Yes. If we would have defined God's goodness the way we view it and signed up for that track. Yeah. Um, the easier track. The easier track. Because mm -hmm. the healing that has happened, the restoration and relationships and getting to see Abigail with, with Aaron and, and me even getting to witness Aaron Parent. Mm has been remarkable and it's so beautiful, which we would have forfeited. Yeah. And I think any human involved in making the choice for them would have forfeited because it in our minds doesn't seem to be good or kind, right. but it was actually the most kind thing mm -hmm. to do for us, yeah. I think. So, yeah. um, and I, I can remember myself personally, maybe, at, I don't know who told me that you guys were going to be moving to Lafayette, but I can remember in my women's Bible study group being like, you guys have to pray for me. Mm. Like this, this is weird. I met Aaron with, you know, forgiven tattooed on his back and singing in, in a church choir. Yeah. So <laughs> the idea of like a life following after the Lord coming from him was that was just like, we'll see, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so seeing him go through the Salvation Army and seeing those things change in his life. Him marrying Rachel, to me, knowing her family history, knowing her walk with God, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, to me solidified his own personal faith, the fact that she would marry him. Right. So in one hand, it was like, okay, this, this might be the real thing. But they're coming here. Right. <laughs> and so like... The real thing on the other side of the country. Right. It's but. like, but what does that mean? And what... At, because I'm a Christ follower also. So this is just going to be different than the relationship that we've had prior to this. And so I just need you guys to pray for me because I don't even know what this looks like or, you know, how you love people in these types of relationships do you love at a distance? Like what is God requiring of you or right? Where do you set those boundaries? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the other, and, and I share this part with permission from my husband because we've processed it and we use this story as a testimony, but um, Jennifer did not know the version of Aaron that I know, right? Mm -hmm. The version of Aaron was somebody who chose 
drugs and alcohol over his family. Um, the version that she knows is somebody who would play in the worship band on Sunday, but not exemplify anything about being a Christ follower Monday through Saturday. And so she also saw the Aaron that, you know, decided to bail on their small family. That's another part of the story, too, that's important, is it's not just they broke up. It's that it was a very messy relationship. Mm-hmm. It was... And there's a little grief in that, too, mm-hmm. because you had to grieve not be, not knowing that, not sure. knowing that side of him and what could have been, mm-hmm. maybe. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you obviously don't have a child with someone and hope for the worst. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, so right. for me, I always saw the potential in him, the gifts that that God gave him. But at the same time, there's a, a, a reality. And so for one of the things I would I told Rachel too, in the very beginning, when we had some really hard conversations, is reminding her too, that who she's knowing in me was not who he knew. Mm. So I also wasn't walking with the Lord myself. But God was using motherhood to draw me to himself that to, to live a different life. And so for my path, that was coming to the Lord much sooner. And Aaron wasn't there yet. And so mm-hmm. it the journeys didn't involve one another, I guess. And so there there is a death of I have to do this by myself and a and a grieving of that. Yeah. And so that that's part of the journey, I right. think. Yeah. So God is doing a work in your life, Rachel just through this whole process of now you're moving to this new city, mm-hmm. the Lord has already been working on you, Jen, like this whole time. He's been almost preparing you for this very thing. So then you meet at this air show, right? <laughs> yep. So then how well, did we the- made that quick. <laughs> like, nice to meet you. Handshake. And I'm out of here. But Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Basically. But yeah. actually their daughter, the daughter that they share was getting married. The September that we moved to Lafayette and my husband was asked to do that wedding. And so we knew that there was going to be more space to be shared in that time. And so we knew that we saw each other at the air show. We were going to see each other at the wedding, which my husband was doing. So, you know, that involved, you know, like um, the dinner rehearsal Mm -hmm. and the actual wedding. And, you know, weddings are fun, but. And Rachel, how how did you feel in your heart Mm -hmm. towards Jen at this point? Did you feel different? We were not friends at that point. No, but but you were upset that you were going to Lafayette. Yeah, it was just, it just seemed too big. Okay. This whole thing just seemed too big. And, you know, my extended family has a relationship with Jennifer because they, that's their granddaughter, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I could avoid this person. And and I respect the relationship now that my, my extended family has with Jennifer. That's important for um, the whole family, including Mm -hmm. my own children to see. Mm Mm-hmm. But it, it just seemed too much. And so there was everything in my humanity that just wanted to stay away from the situation. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really interested in knowing her. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really interested in the levels of vulnerability and mm-hmm. the conversations that I would have to have if we were to get close. You know, I was kind of involved and engulfed and kind of almost drowning in my own new responsibilities. And I'm just like, you right. know what? Maybe that will happen, but at this time, I'm not really interested. But it's also, there's a humanity and a a sinful nature that tries in you to create a list of why you would not like this person, right? Right. That's like the psychologically easier thing to do, right? It's like, well, I don't really even, I don't even really like that shirt she's wearing. 
so like and who wears that like who does that you know what I mean? Like you just like automatically the, seeing the worst in you a person. You just come up with the most bizarre, immature, sinful, sinful things um, to not like about people. And that's and that's your sinful nature coming out. And so I was kind of sitting in that space for a while of just not being interested. I knew that we our lives were not going to intertwine that much. Like the wedding had already happened. Where else am I going to see you? But God was also using Abigail their daughter to help weave this thing together further. So there were a few nights that Abigail would call and say, hey, do you want to come to the basketball game that Vernon is coaching tonight? Also, my brother plays on that game oh. and my, my other family will be there oh. because my husband's the coach. <laughs> so like Abigail was... I think God was using her to just invite us. But those invitations to those spaces always came from Abigail, the daughter. Mm -hmm. And so Abigail kept inviting us to these games. And so Abigail was continuing to kind of draw us together. Abigail's a very wise, mature person. And I think that she knew that it could be different. Mm -hmm. I think in her mind. And she wanted it to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Yeah, I think that she is was such a catalyst to be honest because when we go back to that wedding moment so my husband and I um we've been like I said married 21 years we've led bible studies we've done marriage counseling for the church all kinds of ministry and so for us you know when we say what version of Aaron we knew Abigail included that was the version that her and I knew so when she was going to get married I remember her saying somehow I want to have my dad also included. I want to have Aaron included, but I want dad, my husband, Trent, um, to have whatever role he would want most because I want that for him. And so I don't know who would either do the ceremony and the other one walk me down the aisle. And so that was kind of a big hot moment in our house of, of just trying to pray and discern for me, my own experience, my dad did not show up to my wedding. So my younger brother walked me down the aisle. Oh, wow. So for me to allow Aaron a space to give a wedding message was like, bizarre. What? <laughs> no offense, Aaron. But you know, it was just like <laughs> that felt, yeah, yeah. And it just right. felt like dishonoring where, you know, here Abby had been raised in our home and I'm like, that's a place for dad, you know, to do that for his daughter to do this message. So we had prayed about it and and Trent and I both were just pretty passionate about that being Trent's role. Um, And then I actually, the the ladies group that was praying for me um, after a a Bible study, a couple of the friends said, Hey, can we talk to you about something? And so they had a totally different perspective of, of the wedding day. And they said, I know that you and Trent really feel strongly that the, the most important thing would be that Trent would do the message. But as a woman, as a girl in that day, I, these two friends just said, you know, walking down the aisle, you, are, you have so much emotions mm-hmm. and everyone else is, is in there. You, right. you only are with one person. And that might be incredibly awkward for Abby. Like, have you asked Abby, like, what makes what would make her more comfortable? Um, Because she'll be out there alone. And I really feel like the role for Trent would be to to walk her down. And I know that's hard for you to hear because 
you don't really want to hear Aaron talk about marriage. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But I just think maybe you should ask Abigail. Yeah. And we had never thought about that before um, because she was so wanting everybody to be a part and wanting this this moment where we could all be together and feel comfortable. She really didn't even think about herself, um, which was really incredible for someone so young. Mm-hmm. Who's been so hurt. Yeah, who's yeah. been so hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just asked her, and she teared up, and she said, I really want you to be there, Dad. Like, I would feel very awkward. Yeah. Um, and so... We hugged her and apologized for, you know, not thinking of her um, in that moment. And then I just thought, I'm like, yeah, you stand there with your your lover that you're marrying and you're like, get on with this ceremony. <laughs> you know, like, I just want to be, say I do, you know. And so it, it made sense after, you know, my friends talked to me. Um, but it just, you know, we can, again, it goes kind of back to that way that we think is like the right way. And I'm incredibly grateful for friends speaking into that moment that we could even connect with Abby. Mm-hmm. And so I think for her, just seeing and even in that, like, I've been harmed, but I don't mind to have my dad do the wedding and talk about marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and her seeing that I don't know this person yet, really. Right. But I know that they have encountered God, that this mm-hmm. is different. And I want to know that. And so just being in a place, um, I think for Rachel and I both, where more than anything, to see that for Aaron and Abigail, mm-hmm. you know, and not to hinder that, mm-hmm. you know, a relationship that a, a father could have with his daughter um, and, and not to taint it right. in some kind of way. Right. I just, it speaks volumes to who Abigail is Mm -hmm. and how God can do a work in your heart and help you forgive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I I think about all the life that really Aaron missed Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, I'm just thinking about all the things, all the things that happen, all the milestones Mm -hmm. that happen. And yet she's willing. That's just, that is such a beautiful Mm -hmm. image of Christ Mm -hmm. and how he loves us. So Abigail and Jennifer prayed for Aaron Mm -hmm. as she was growing up. They always prayed for her dad because, you know, Aaron was lost in substance use disorders and broken relationships, and he was just limping through life, right? And so Jennifer and Abigail, for her whole life, were were praying for him, which I'm the recipient of Mm -hmm. those prayers as well. Amen. And so what I find so incredible is that Abigail has never, ever heard a negative word about her dad from her mother. Oh, that's beautiful. Never. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone looks at me wrong, right? Like there are, I mean, it's hard, that idea of being hurt so intimately and not responding is just a true, uh, what I see is the Lord in you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, like the work that you've done to surrender the human, the humanity in you so that you can be more like Christ. So... Jennifer, in choosing to never negatively speak about Aaron, has passed a blessing onto Abigail, onto me, and onto even my children. Because my children are the recipients, are um, receive blessings often of my relationship with Jennifer. So, like, Jennifer sometimes watches my children. Jennifer's children watch my children. And so just her choosing to be Christ-like in that whole, not just for a day, not just for a season, but for an extended period of time, 
She chose to be like that. And so we are all the recipients mm-hmm. of that. Jennifer will be quick to say, it's it's God in me. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But what I will always come back and say too, but, but you've also done work. Mm-hmm. You have also put in footwork. So mm-hmm. just acknowledge that, yes, God is in you, but don't neglect the times that you could have made a different choice and you didn't. Right, right. And so we are partly able to experience the goodness of this season and work through that grief together because Jennifer made a choice to respect Aaron. Mm-hmm. When when Jennifer was allowing Abigail to visit her dad when he was, I mean, she says you could cut the smoke with a knife, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, what would have happened, you know, if Jennifer would have given into the mm-hmm. humanity of wanting to tear Aaron apart? We would right. we would be working through a lot more things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, in those years, I can remember there would be good Christian people who advised everything opposite Mm -hmm. of what I I did. I never took Aaron to court for child support. Like, well, that's Abby's right. But I also knew Aaron, and I knew the place he was at, and I knew Mm -hmm. what comments might be made about me when he did have Abigail, um, and I just thought it's not worth it to me or even I, the times where he would want to have her and allowing her to spend a weekend. I can remember people saying like, well, he doesn't have that right. Like you don't have to do that. Right. And I wouldn't do that. Is it safe? You know, and all these things that, you know, they're asking. And I think for myself, I would just pray. And I always look and Rachel and I were talking this morning long term. Like I'm not, I I don't live in the moment. I recognize that the decision I make right now will have long-term consequences. And I, I'm assessing. So the decision I make now is, are those consequences worth it? Right. With my parent, my, my dad, um, was also an addict. Um, he died a cocaine addict, but I was a daddy's girl and I, I loved him. Yeah, of course you did. And so I understood that no matter what Aaron was, that is part of Abigail. Mm-hmm. And she will always be drawn to him and want love from him. Absolutely. And so I either will hinder that or I can be a part of of the the hope for that. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember um it was, you know, Abigail would would have these revelations from the Lord, like, well, my blood dad's a hypocrite. And I'd say, oh, well, why do you say that? Well, at school today, she went to a a Christian school in elementary. She said, well, we were learning about hypocrites. And we were talking about how they say one thing, but they live a different thing. And she said, I just know when I'm with my my blood dad, is what she would call Aaron, um, he takes us to church. But the moment we get in the car, there's nothing about the Lord or Jesus. Wow. And so I just... I just remember looking at her and saying, well, if that's what the Lord showed you, you should pray for him. You know, so it would always be God kind of showing her something. And I think we live in that fear of like, well, I'm saying I'm a Christian, but he's saying he's a Christian too. So like, well, I need to let them know what a real Christian is. But the Lord does that. And if we will just trust him, you know, and so God was even, she was probably five years old saying that. And so just trusting that God was working and allowing her to come to those revelations, you know, I think paved that it did pave the way for her to be able to have a great relationship with him. And I do think it was just, it was 
God in me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you do have to choose. There is a, there's a war in the moment. Of course it's, it, you want to say, well, I'm a great mom. I'm the one that's here. I'm the one that's doing this, that, and the other. Um, but if you look long-term saying those kind of things, what does that get you to do that would have meant in this moment now, when the Lord has redeemed this moment, I get to be a part of it. And I receive blessings. I get to have a friendship. If I had done those things that might have been true, but not lovely, not admirable, not mm. excellent, not praiseworthy, I think as, as Christians, sometimes we go, well, it was the truth. Mm. But we stop with the right. truth. And we don't go on with that list and say, but these aren't praiseworthy things. These aren't excellent things. And so I think had I spoke truth, in those moments, I would have forfeited where we're at today. Yeah, I, I think it's just huge in those moments of grief. It's okay to feel Absolutely. Um, and, and go you to should. the Lord. And you should, you should. And go to the Lord with those things. But before you act and speak to other people, yeah. those words and those actions will always have a, a consequence that's greater than that moment. Yeah. And just to try to evaluate, yeah. you know, is this worth it? And sometimes when you make those decisions, you don't, like when Jennifer was making that decision to not um, speak negatively about Aaron and to not sin in her anger, I don't think in, her, in the back of the mind, in her mind, she was thinking, well, because Aaron and his wife are going to be living here in 20 years and I want to have a good relationship with them. Right. Yeah. No, like, not thinking that. No, <laughs> she didn't know. Right. And so that's part of living a godly life is you, you have to say, I'm going to make the next godly choice understanding that I might not reap the benefits. Mm-hmm. The next generation might, my mm-hmm. children might, but I might not. Because it's what's right. You're, you're I mean, you live in integrity life, no matter what. Yeah, to honor and but please the Lord you, alone. You don't often get to see the benefits in this mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's an inspiration to me, you know, when I choose to do the right thing, like I might not be able to live in the goodness of what this did, but maybe my children will or their children will or, you know, somebody else will. But yeah, I think that's incredible to think about is, you know, like we're not talking, like we're not having this conversation because they're going to move here. Mm -hmm. We're having this conversation because this is the way God calls us to live, Mm -hmm. period. Right. Right. And that takes complete and total surrender. Mm -hmm. You have to surrender to to the will of God and and just trust. Mm -hmm. Like you said, sometimes we have to blindly trust. Okay, Lord, I really don't know what you're going to do here, but okay, here you go. You know, I'm just going to trust you with this and whatever the outcome is. And and like what you were saying, you know, in that verse in Philippians, all of those things, and with thankfulness, you know, and giving thanks, even thanks in advance for things that we might never see the fruit of. But so now your daughter, Abigail, is actively involved in bringing you two together as friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So tell us like how. So then you guys started hanging out and then what? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we you did that. We did the whole honor flight, which the reason we were there was American Heritage Girls. And I'm I was a unit leader in American Heritage Girls and Abigail was a part of it. So we would do honor flights. And so she actually, I think, used American Heritage Girls to kind of connect us as well, um, because I remember inviting Rachel like to come and, and speak and share about the Salvation Army for American Heritage Girls. And so you had asked me, I think, were we meeting for Brave? Yeah, so I was working on a Brave event, 
And it was in the it was in the best interest of the event to have Jennifer and on, on the planning committee because she's well connected. Jennifer's a community leader. She knows a lot of people. She has mm-hmm. a lot of roots in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. And so it would have been on it would have been in our best interest to have her. Didn't like that. But it was what should happen. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to do an event and not do it right. So I'm going to get the right people on the bus. And that's what I teach my girls. You know, mm-hmm. we sit at the table with people that we do not agree with for the sake of the mission. <laughs> that we might not like. Right. right? <laughs> you know, like we yep. don't we don't allow that to influence our behavior. If, if this is right, what's best for the kingdom of God? So I'm telling myself this because this is what I would tell my daughter. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay. So... <laughs> I asked her to be on the planning committee, and we had set a date to meet at a a coffee shop in Lafayette mm-hmm. called Sacred Grounds Reclaimed. Mm-hmm. And on the way to Sacred Grounds, I just felt like the Lord was leading me to have the conversation. I felt like God was just saying, today's the day. You two you need to life. get real. For a long time. <laughs> And so, you know, I got there early, got my delicious, frothy, sugary latte in a mug. Coffee shops, don't give me paper cups, please. Give me the mug. And I remember I sat there and I just was like knowing that this was going to, something was going to happen today at this table. Um, And so the floor in this coffee shop is really crickety. And with every every crick, I was like, oh my gosh, it's her. I can't look around. I'm going to (laughs) barf. Oh no. Like, how am I in this situation? Um... Jennifer came, I saw her get her coffee, she put her bag down, she went back up to the the stand to get her coffee, and I was like, oh, this is just taking forever. So finally she sat down, and I just looked her straight in the eye, and I said, we're not going to talk about Brave today. Oh, wow. (laughs) I looked at her, and I, you know, paraphrasing, said, by God's grace, we've been navigating some type of friendship. Mm Mm-hmm. But, and then I think you, your exact words were, but we have to address the elephant but in we, the room. Yes. But, <laughs> yes. I always, but I said to her, I said, I, I really respect you as a mom and as a person. Um, and I could see something really beautiful happening in a friendship here. But none of that will happen if there's something in the relationship we can't talk about. Mm. And so we have to talk about it. And I think you know what it is. Mm. And so for three hours at that sacred grounds, we gave each other space to sh- to to share as much as we needed to. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we held each other's hands from across the table and prayed over the entire conversation. And people were there that knew Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, Lafayette's not a small town by any means, but Aaron and I had already been on the news a few times by then, which... There was someone specifically that saw us that day. Yeah. yeah. That that came up to me afterward and just was so blessed by mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. witnessed. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about all of it. I talked about what my experience was. She talked about her experience. And then... And I think I think what was amazing about that is um, we were just incredibly vulnerable with each other, mm-hmm. which I think is is critical if you want real relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's incredibly frightening, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, can she trust me? Can I trust her? I don't know. But I think that the assurance we had is we both love the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so we can start there. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, God asks us to hope all things and believe all things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if we both are Christ followers, then I am going to trust you in this, God. And I'm going to hope that that we each will have a good intention. Mm -hmm. And so we're jumping in. You know, I, I shared... The version of Aaron I knew, um, I do remember reassuring her that 
um, because I know how the enemy works. I know how he gets, especially us ladies, to compare ourselves to each other oh, and yeah. size up and be like, oh, I'm not that or whatever. And so I just, I do remember specifically saying to you, like throughout our journey and friendship, mm-hmm. like, I don't know wh- what the enemy will try to do in your mind, mm-hmm. but I want to reassure you, like who you know, Aaron never knew this person. Mm-hmm. Like Trent knows this person. This is me in Christ. Aaron doesn't know that I wasn't this. Right. I was my worst self. Right. And I'm going to describe the Aaron I knew, and I'm sure by the end you'll you'll go, that's his worst self, and I don't know who that is. Yeah. And so just going from here, recognizing like we're new people mm-hmm. and just trying to encourage each other but leave space for the um, hard stuff, the hard stuff mm-hmm. and sharing. And, and and I think probably where that came from is, is you did share the wedding day and mm-hmm. how she had felt mm-hmm. and having to be, you know, here I get to be the mother of the bride so I can wear whatever I want. And she's in a Salvation Army y- uniform. And, right. and she just right. described just the feeling. And, and because family did know me. And so any comment they're mm-hmm. making about me is feeling personal to her, you know, as it would. Mm-hmm. as it would for anyone. Yeah. And so just giving that mm-hmm. space of saying, uh, of accepting each other's journey and listening and caring was probably the foundation for where we could mm-hmm. move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in church leadership. I'm a minister of the gospel and I, I preach reconciliation. I try to live reconciliation. Right. Um, I have two daughters who I want show him show them the right way to live um and so you know i had to do it for everybody who could see me everyone i had to do it as a testimony for everyone who could see like there's really good stuff on the other side of working through it and there's really good stuff on the other side of the conversation and there's really good stuff on the other side of choosing to be like christ with every decision and so i proudly share the story you know with people in my church but we had to do it for the people who watch us. Mm-hmm. We had to, do, and for our own testimony too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that you you gave each other license of a carte blanche mm-hmm. with with one another, mm-hmm. like a blank slate. For sure. Like what you were saying, like mm-hmm. that's the Aaron that I used yeah. that I used to know. That's not who he is yeah. now, and, and vice versa yeah. with you, mm-hmm. and just allowing that the past is the past. Let's leave it. Leave mm-hmm. it there. It is what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But who we are in Christ now, mm-hmm. I mean, that's right. And that's what Jesus does for mm-hmm. us. He gives us that blank slate. He mm-hmm. forgives us. Mm-hmm. It's just as if we had never sinned. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's only through his blood that we can experience mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But what a, what a walking mm-hmm. testimony of, mm-hmm. of Christ doing that amazing work of grace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how we are supposed to treat one another. Right. That is how we are supposed yeah. to treat mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not easy to sit at a coffee table to listen to some of that hard stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm my husband's partner. Right. It's, well, I, I consider it my responsibility, you know, to respect him and love him and cheer him on. And as his biggest cheerleader, you know, to hear those versions of him was so hard. Because mm. everyone who knows Aaron loves Aaron. Like, mm-hmm. he's very loved. He's very respected. And there's a version of him in, that lives and works and ministers in the Salvation Army that is a different version than a lot of other people know. Right. But you have to, we had to share those parts. 
you know, in marriage counseling, Aaron and I learn like if you want to go high, you gotta go low. Meaning you gotta you gotta dig up and you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta figure out where things are planted and uproot certain things and replant certain things in different pots and. But that was a true test of my character, mm-hmm. right? To give her space to say that and. Those were things that he did and he said, and he has been changed. And again, those who know him know that that's a different version of him. Mm-hmm. I think some people are shocked when they hear that that version of Aaron does exist. It did exist. Mm-hmm. He died. That yes. version died. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amen. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's hard to hear that part, but it, it was an important part of the process. Because, and I often think about Jennifer's husband, Trent, too. Mm-hmm. Trent has been walking this journey with Jennifer for 21 years, yeah. 22 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this man that did his wife wrong is now um, sober, married, and running America's favorite charity in their town. So what a turn of events we have had here. Yeah. Oh, so now I see this guy in the news. I'm going to see this person, you know, presenting things about the Salvation Army in various circles. Aaron and I, our second week in Lafayette, had to go to where Trent works to meet a board member. Didn't know that he worked there. Walked yeah. in. Here he is. I'm like, that was awkward. Oh, my. Oh, my word. <laughs> Not ready. Jeez. You know, but yeah. he was, Trent was very gracious in that day that we mm-hmm. met him and his character too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what's been so incredible, I think, for all of us is to see, you know, because we, my husband and I have been walking with the Lord for, you know, over 20 years closely. And so to see... God's redemption mm. played out in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know Jesus died for us and he makes us new. And we say those things, mm-hmm. but to really see it mm-hmm. in such an incredible way yeah. it is remarkable, really. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's, it brings so much hope. You know, Abigail's 24 years old, you know, mm-hmm. so the journey wasn't overnight to be where we are today. And sometimes you don't see that. I, I know you, you had said earlier, you know, we, we have our obedience and we're doing it for the Lord. There's goodness on the other side. Sometimes we don't see that goodness, right? right? Sometimes right. The, it, it takes every member responding to God in their life and walking after him to get the story you're hearing today. Like right. you, you have every piece in the story are obedient pieces who are wanting to honor God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's um, what makes it so beautiful but sometimes you don't have people and you have people that love the Lord, but what he's asking is so incredibly hard. They mm-hmm. can't do it. And recognizing that God's there in that too. Yeah. And, and he's giving you space and he's gracious and he's holding you and he's there to do the hard things with you alongside you in you when you're ready. I think it's just important too, just to keep hope that sometimes you don't get to see that fruit. You know, you have those moments where you, you stop and it's painful to do the most good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't see the benefit for it. It actually might feel like you got slapped down doing the most good. And you question, why would you even have me do that, Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would hope is that, the, that our story and our testimony would just encourage anybody that you may not see it, but God is a good God. Mm-hmm. And somewhere down the line that choice will have good eternal consequences Mm -hmm. and it's always worth it. Mm -hmm. God is good. Amen. And so these choices are all for that goodness Mm -hmm. to be experienced somewhere in someone. And ultimately I want to be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want my children to have the same cravings. Yeah. 
And so I think through a lot of this, God was looking at me and saying, you know, you've been singing songs about holiness your whole life, and you've been up there singing, I surrender my name for your glory. You've been singing that your whole life. So here you go. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, And it's also, you know, a lesson in God's timing. Would I have been ready? I tell Aaron a lot. Could you have taken, like, less time to be ready to get married? Because I got married at 31, right? I felt like I waited for him forever. You know, I was in my 20s watching a lot of people get married, starting their families, and I'm like, all right, like, if I'm going to be single, I'm going to do it right. Like, I'm going to I'm going to training by myself. I'm going to be ready to do all this by myself. And I was confident in that. I had to become my own person, and I had to be fully accepting of whatever God's will is. But that was not ready for me at that time. And so that was God's perfect timing for my life. Mm -hmm. It was God's perfect timing. We got married and commissioned then because Lafayette was going to be our home. You know what I mean? And so there's all these things when you look back, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't try to control that. Because to know me is to know that I would try to control those kinds of things. Yeah. But God's timing is perfect Mm -hmm. with marriage, with the relationship, with the children, with the reconciliation. The timing is good. The timing is right. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful to realize, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you do life together. Your friends and relatives, really. I mean, we are traveling. We're traveling podcasters. Yeah. You just started. (laughs) She just started a book club, got me to get some of my friends to be a part of it and uh, had to cancel at your house the first week. And it was at my house, you know, so. So we're doing it. We're doing the thing. Women's Ministries Book Club. Yeah. I love that. Well, so thank you so much for sharing this incredible story of an unlikely friendship, a friendship that just you didn't even think was possible, but how redeeming that God can do that in our lives. He can redeem redeem us as, as people, forgiving our sins, but he can also redeem relationships and people around us and make something absolutely beautiful out of it. I mean, look at, look at you guys. It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> Any other words of wisdom, any other hope you'd like to give um, to our listeners out there? For those of us who are actively following Christ, wanting to be more like him, he is going to be weaving all things together. And some of those things will be really unexpected. People have a lot of expectations when they pray. And you can hear people, like when people are praying out loud, you hear their expectations. But God is always going to be doing what is best for us, what is best for his glory, Um, And we are just parts of that. Mm -hmm. We are just parts of that. And if being friends with Jennifer has taught me anything, it's just just do your part. Stay faithful. Walk in obedience. You know, on the path towards hope, you see that sun way down there. And you're walking this path. And, you know, sometimes you have to sidestep these stones. or, But just keep walking. And just know that this is, God is also looking at you and saying, this is also for you. And especially people who are in ministry, don't exclude yourself from blessings. Like allow yourself to be ministered to. Put yourself on the other side of the table and sometimes just take off that burden and just allow yourself to be ministered to by whoever is in front of you. Like if I did not allow myself to be ministered to by Jenna, we wouldn't be here. If I didn't allow myself this ministry of reconciliation that I'm walking through, what if I would have rejected it? So... People in ministry often do that. They reject being ministered to, but don't do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, just give yourself space to be a person and be ministered Mm -hmm. to as well. 
Yeah. And I, I would echo that expectation thing. You know, um, the hope is that Christ is always working. My hope is in him. And, and as I know that he is a good God who's always working, he is doing something in me. If my hope is in having a great relationship with Rachel, then my hope is misplaced because right. I, I can't control that. And so mm-hmm. I agree with you, you know, when, when we pray and we ask things, mm-hmm. oftentimes, even if we didn't ask, we say, Lord, would you be in this relationship? I have in my mind how I want exactly. that to go. Yeah. <laughs> and right. when my hope is in those things, I am always going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always going to be frustrated. And so if I can shift my thoughts to being, God, my, my hope is in you. That Can I see you here working and moving in this place, in this relationship, in me? Then I'm never going to be disappointed if I'm walking along right. with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just always evaluating. And I think, you know, that can shift and, and recognizing it and being real with yourself to know, wait, is my expectation shifting? Am I expecting something from Rachel? Am I expecting something from their family, from Aaron or, or my husband? Or, or is my expectation in the Lord? Right. And when we get off is just confess that. Lord, forgive me and realign my heart to just be really focused in on you. And he doesn't disappoint. You know, um, a pastor recently said, and I've been mulling this over, and so is Abigail, said that the Lord, how often we pray and it seems he's, he didn't answer us. And, you know, we've all heard probably that he answers yes, no, or wait, you know. And this pastor said um, that I'm so thankful for God answering my prayers in the way that I would have answered them if I knew what he knew. Oh, wow. And that was just something very powerful to me to consider that, that we do not know. And if we knew what he knew, like if God, like Rachel said, and at, at Abigail at five years old, I don't get a C today. Right. So of course I would maybe say that then, you know, because I see the end, but I didn't know. And, and just thinking about the Lord sees everything. He does know. And those prayers we're asking of him, he reshapes those. Because he knows if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't be asking it for that way because you would be missing out. And so just recognizing that the hope is that he is good, that his eye is on you. He, He hasn't forgotten you. He is well acquainted with the pain of wherever you are sitting, whatever that longing, hurt, rejection, whatever that grief would be, he's acquainted with that and he sees it. And he is good. Yes, amen. It's a perfect way to end our time. Thank you so much for your time today. Just, you're, you're both lovely. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on this journey with us in our series on grieving. And just want to thank all of my guests who have been a part of this series. Thank you for your vulnerability and your willingness to share. I know God has already been using your stories to encourage and inspire others in their grief journeys. So thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for today. The Prepare Podcast is a production of the Salvation Army Central Territory Women's Ministries Department. And I hope that this podcast has left you feeling prepared and equipped for tomorrow. I'll see you real soon. God bless you.